Welcome to the Cambridge Judge Business School Podcast Centre. The emotional intelligence community has itself independently come to the conclusion that the dark side is an area of high strategic importance in terms of new research. So beyond that, we could perhaps look at ways in, in which uh, these kinds of tactics perhaps would be beneficial for organizations, because perhaps we don't want leaders in organizations to be naive with respect to the cutthroat world of business. We want emotionally intelligent leaders, but we want them to be tactically savvy as well. That was Professor Martin Kilduff drawing attention to the possible future research areas into emotional intelligence, or EI. You know, the abilities related to the detection, use, understanding and the management of our emotions. Until now, research has centred on the good side, the pro-social traits and positive outcomes, largely overlooking the negatives, or, as Professor Kilduff and Dr Jochen Menges of the Cambridge Judge Business School described them, the dark side, explored by individuals to advance their own interests. In investigating this dark side, they looked at the strategic use of emotional intelligence in organisational settings. When people are forced to compete uh, in sort of cutthroat organisations, dog-eat-dog, under those circumstances people are going to use whatever skills and abilities they have, including their ability to read other people's emotions, control their own, think through how those... Um, uh, emotions can be put to use uh, to uh, gain their ends and indeed manage others for their own purposes, whether that be to get ahead in the organisation, to make others take the blame for outcomes that they foresee, to make life easier for themselves and potentially at the expense of others. So in competitive organisations, in the investment banks, for example, recent, you know, recently been in the news, in those kinds of organisations where there are very big rewards available, um, big stakes, and people are going to fight for their own careers in ways that involve using whatever abilities and skills they've got. And that would include emotional intelligence. Yes. Let's come back to, to the to particularly to the, if you like, the organisational side of it, the banks and, mm-hmm. and recent developments. Can come back to that in a moment, but let me bring in Dr Mangas. I mean, were you surprised that about this, because human nature is, is, after all, human nature. We will use what we've got to get on. Right, uh, and I think there are two basic motives that people have, one of which is to get along and one of which is to get ahead. And research has primarily focused on the idea of getting along, enjoying social interactions, uh, bringing about pro-social outcomes, helping others. And I think with our paper, we look a bit more towards the getting ahead side and how individuals actually use emotional intelligence to uh, compete in these settings that we describe. And um, to do so, they engage in particular tactics which actually serve their own interest, possibly at the expense of others. And that side of emotional intelligence has not been looked at previously. Did you find that, that from the observations that were made that there was a general recognition that EI is needed, is required? Obviously the research community and even the popular press have been very keen on emotional intelligence and uh, as I understand in the, in the US even the school children in the schools now are being trained uh, to, uh, to develop their emotional intelligence with the expectation that this will promote uh, a friendlier, more agreeable a less bullying sort of culture and so on in schools. So yes, there's wide recognition that this is an important skill that perhaps has been neglected. But that's been part of the sort of positive agenda and we don't want to take away from that. It's just that 
as life becomes more and more competitive, and perhaps as the zeitgeist, as the spirit of the times, has turned a bit more negative with talks of cuts and uh, bankers' bonuses and a feeling that somehow some people have got ahead unfairly, whereas the rest of us have been left holding the debts, I think there is now more attention on, well, how did this happen? Um, these people who, who we thought were our heroes turn out to be somewhat more villainous than we, we perhaps anticipated. And so you can look at the same behavior in, in a somewhat different way because there is a little, there's a somewhat of an overlap between doing things for yourself in ways that look quite selfish and, uh, and doing things for others. And, so, and people who are highly emotionally intelligent are perhaps able to portray their self-rewarding behaviours as pro-social or altruistic. Are you saying that, that some of the current, or maybe all of the current, financial position that we find ourselves in is down to use or abuse of emotional intelligence by individuals or organisations? What, what we are suggesting is that in competitive organisations of the kind that have been in the news the banks and so on, that emotional intelligence helps people get ahead in those organisations in ways that are perhaps uh, not been recognised. That is, that they can persuade others to take on responsibilities and then leave those others holding the can when things go wrong, that they can manipulate information such that it seems as if they're not responsible for the bad things, but perhaps take responsibility for the good outcomes and so on. So they're very good at uh, making themselves look good in the eyes of others um, and, and make others perhaps look less good. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that you can blame the financial uh, collapse on, on, on emotional intelligence. No. But it could be a factor. It could be a factor, yes, uh, because, it, because it's a factor in, in, in the extent to which people's careers are successful or not. Um, the getting ahead that, that Jochen was talking about, it not only helps you get along with people, it can... It can be a very active and vital component in getting ahead in, in competitive organisations, especially. We all have emotional intelligence from the day we're born. How soon do we recognise it and how soon do we start to put it into practice? Well, probably um, it's not a matter of uh, recognising it in this way that you know your um, emotional intelligence quotient or something, uh, some score, uh, but how successful you are in certain behaviors. And uh, we outline a couple of behaviors that relate to the emotional intelligence dimensions, one of which is to perceive the emotions of others. And this particular skill is something that you can develop over a lifetime and you can then adequately perceive the emotions of others. And if you discover that you're good at it, you may actually strategically employ that. Um, problematic is if you employ it to the extent that you focus only on the strategically important targets, so those who actually help you to get ahead. Um, what that actually implies is that you neglect or disregard the emotions of those others who are not of strategic importance to yourself. Um, and that possibly can uh, be quite a bit of, um, cause quite a bit of harm in organizations. Um, so uh, people actually become aware of their skills over a lifetime probably, but it's not that they strategically employ these on a conscious and deliberate level uh, in the sense that they say, now I'm going to perceive those, they, these persons' emotions. They automatically do that, and uh, the infusion of emotional intelligence into our behavior probably happens on, a, on an automatic basis then. 
Are we getting to the point, do you think, I mean, you referred earlier on to, to the way in which uh, EI is, is taught in American schools. Are we getting to the stage where employers are now going to be looking, maybe they're already looking for qualifications in EI or, or some testing to, to, to indicate that this person has got high level or low level of EI and, and knows how to use it and doesn't know how to use it? That's one side of the uh, emotional intelligence movement, actually. Um, you know, emotional intelligence was promoted by one of uh, by a best-selling book by Goldman, and out of that book came a lot of uh, consultancies which actually teach emotional intelligence on weekend seminars, and a lot of business schools have adopted emotional intelligence as part of their curriculum. Now, the problem is that emotional intelligence can probably not be taught within just a weekend or, uh, you know, even in a year of an MBA program, it might be difficult to acquire sufficient emotional skills if you haven't been taught uh, elsewhere before. So um, it's the same as in, in school. We don't learn math on a weekend or we don't learn grammar on a weekend. We spend quite a bit of time in our life to acquire these skills and train our cognitive intelligence. The same probably applies to emotional intelligence. And it's good to see that schools have some curricula now available and they are being tested in the US and you know we will see how well they work but probably we should um, caution those who think uh, as managers that they can attend a weekend seminar and improve their skills as emotional as emotion managers, I can think of various examples in the in the in the banking and the corporate, the commercial sector. But I'm 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 drawn more to thinking about politicians. I imagine Martin that some have got very high levels of emotional intelligence and know just how to use them. That would be true for you know leaders who um, win elections by uh, appealing to quite diverse groups, where they have to maintain an upbeat, optimistic persona in all sorts of situations where they may not be feeling that way, where they have to recognise the mood of the different people they're interacting with. Give me some examples. Tony Blair, is is he a good example? Bill Clinton? Both of them would be, I think, excellent examples of uh, highly emotionally intelligent individuals who understand the power of emotional appeal um, and connecting emotionally with your audience and using that connection and that skill in order to guide events along the lines that you want them to go. Uh, they've, they're, they're, I think they're among the very best you can see. I mean, they've, they're amazing. At the same time, you, one can also see that those abilities and those skills, at least according to perhaps the disenchanted publics that they once charmed, are now looked at rather differently, so that in Britain um, the, the love affair with Tony Blair is long over, and we've now looked back and think, how on earth did he persuade us? How on earth did we trust this this man? Not everybody, but there is, a, I think, a general feeling of disenchantment, especially over the way in which the country was somehow um, led into various decisions, including Parliament and so on. So, so we look back in wonder at how how it happened. Well, part of it was he made emotional appeals to us uh, that seemed riveting, and uh, and he understood our fears and anxieties, and he seemed to be in control and empathetic at the same time suggesting solutions. So he had all of the hallmarks of the emotionally intelligent leader and all of the hallmarks, perhaps not some of the hallmarks of what we discussed in this paper uh, on the dark side, uh, that uh, that perhaps we were led into things we, we now wish we hadn't signed up for. So, so how, do we, how do we use emotional intelligence? Is that one of the outcomes of your paper? Well, one general um, thought in the emotional intelligence community was that emotional intelligence is used for good. 
It's used to create positive emotions in others. It's used to understand others' uh, worries and concerns. But you're looking at the dark side. Exactly. Now, what I just said certainly exists, and there are certainly emotional intelligent people who exactly do that. But in competitive organizations or uh, when you have political agendas, um, you probably use the very same skills uh, to infuse emotions that serve the purposes um, you look for. In terms of the specific kind of tactics that uh, we looked at on the dark side, uh, they would include, as I think Jochen mentioned earlier, that um, you're going to focus on the emotions of those who are important to you. So if you're a subordinate, you're focused on your immediate superiors. Other people, you're not going to be that interested in their emotions, unless they're your friends and so on. Um, If you're a supervisor, generally speaking, you're going to ignore the, the specific emotions of those uh, who are reporting to you unless they have something that you want or they, uh, they strike you as uh, likely to contribute to your own ends, in which case you might zero in and say, well, this person actually gets angry in certain situations. I could kind of let them loose in a certain part of the organization and upset this rival of mine or something like this. So you, you might sort of focus in there. So you focus on people who are important to you and their emotions. The rest of the people you sort of ignore. Um, You're also going to be, from the dark side viewpoint, you're going to be disguising and expressing your own emotions to the extent that that's going to help you. So if you're emotionally intelligent, you can control your own emotions, which is a really powerful thing. Most of us are not able to do that. We're at this sort of mercy of our emotions. The emotionally intelligent people can control their anger, their joy, and they have much more ability to strategically, if you like, insert those emotions in situations that are going to benefit themselves. A lot of people, a lot of the time, don't really know what emotions they're experiencing. It sounds strange, but uh, but a lot of the time we're waiting for others to signal to us what's the appropriate emotion here. And so the emotionally intelligent people, this is a third tactic, can jump in or they can suggest, look, this is a situation in which we, we should be feeling glad or we should be angry or we should be you know, joyful, um, they can give us interpretations which are highly useful to others because a lot of the time we're feeling a bit at sea. So that's the sort of uh, shaping and stirring other other people's emotions, sense-giving. And finally, we can, uh, if we're, the, the emotionally intelligent people can uh, actually provide information in order to trigger specific emotions. And this can work for both the subordinates and the supervisors in organization situations because it turns out the supervisors are very much dependent on those who report to them for information. So you can highlight some information and, and, and uh, relegate other bits to the back of the report and so on if you are um, working for somebody in order to gain some advantage over your rivals uh, or ingratiate yourself with your boss and so on. If you're working for an, an emotionally abusive boss, you can you can also do certain things, like you can provide them with far too much information so to overwhelm them and try to keep them off your case. Uh, you can uh, get together with your fellow workers and organize uh, meetings where you perhaps spread rumors and so on about what the boss is up to. In other words, you... You're not completely helpless if you're, even if you're an underling in these situations. So emotional intelligence can play to your strengths in terms of the kinds of information you provide and that you circulate. 
Professor Martin Kilduff, who, with Dr. Jochen Menges, can now focus attention on those strategically important dark side tactics. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School.